0: Hello, this is Maggie. And Ashley. And you're listening to The Watering Hole, a place where animals and animal enthusiasts regularly drink. Every episode, we'll talk about different animals and why they're cool, from basic biology to the threats they face and what people are doing about it, all while under the influence. (laughs)
1: cue the creepy laugh perfect
0: and we're rolling all right so episode six we're really flying through this season I, th- I, this is the
1: fastest we've done things, and I feel like twice we've almost like lost it, but we catch it right at the
0: last second. <laughs> at The last second, we've done some power edits. Whew, yeah, man! <laughs> until like up until Tuesday night, and then you're like, "We're live Wednesday, six a.m." <laughs> We're good to go. I like I like the
1: pressure. It adds mm. a bit of like, you know, excitement that is lacking during these times. So I appreciate. <laughs> something to, like, have to schedule and, like, Mm -hmm. be and adhere to. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have enjoyed, um, actually coming up with fun social media uh, quizzes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will say I feel like your animal always wins then, so I don't know if that's editorializing or anything, but, um. Really? I, uh, I have not noticed that, actually. I actually didn't, I didn't
1: participate this week because I felt like I was swaying the votes. Um,
0: (laughs) So some of the questions we've asked are like, which animal is more likely to host a podcast on humans? Which animal is going to give the best advice? Mm -hmm. Which one has the better hair products? (laughs) So, you know, really important stuff. Very scientific data we're collecting here. So yeah, currently, um, we have who gives the better advice a wise walrus or a calm camel and we've got 45 percent for walrus 55 percent for camel so it's going change nothing. that yeah <laughs> change
1: i'm participating right now oh man <laughs> then i'll go on ollie's instagram <laughs>
0: <laughs> i got it to 50 50 baby oh shit so yeah, we're doing well, I think, overall with with the scheduling and things and yeah. being current. However, it's not like we've talked about any current events. No, that, that would make this. I think once we rent, we've mentioned Labor Day,
1: <laughs> right? We're, we haven't even done anything where anyone would know any better, other than the fact that like we're in quarantine. But like that could have mm-hmm. this could have happened six months ago, and no one would be none the wiser. So. What is time
0: anymore? <laughs>
1: oh, I realized I've aged significantly
0: because today really? I realized
1: I I found my um forgot that I had brought my bathrobe home and I'm always <laughs> cold downstairs working. So I wore my bathrobe all day and it's like oh. huge oversized gray bathrobe. And then I went and took Ollie out and I had my bathrobe on walking around the yard and my, oh my sandals and socks. Oh my gosh, you are you are officially a middle-aged housewife. And then I think I answered an email today when something didn't work with the phrase, rats, with an exclamation point. (laughs) And then if something didn't work, I said, give me a holler. So I don't know what age demographic that is, but I don't think it's a a 27-year-old
0: woman. But whatever oh my gosh wow yeah you've definitely aged then that's something a little bit right before this podcast I I plucked five gray hairs so there's that
1: cute (laughs) love it
0: but they're all new too so yeah definitely I feel I'm feeling the age feeling the stress
1: I don't think there's no one to blame other than the times blame it on the times Maggie
0: not the New York Times no Oh, man. So, yeah, we, we both researched animals, right? <laughs> Is that what we normally I hope, do? I hope so. Sorry. I'm uh, pouring
1: my second beer.
0: That's great. You pour beer. I'm pulling up my animal. Oh,
1: yeah, I got time to kill, baby.
0: You do, because I was researching up until we started recording.
1: <laughs> well, what else were you doing, Maggie?
0: so i texted ashley saying like great i'm i'm glad we're gonna start recording at eight because i need to finish my research and then i proceeded to send a text message to a group chat that we're both a part of with a video of me and argos playing with a giant yoga ball and then argos popped it as one would expect however i did not expect that so the video is six (laughs) seconds of the ball bouncing argos bites at it and then i go oh no (laughs) and you hear like
1: a little hiss of the air releasing. (laughs) (laughs) so ashley knew
0: i was hard at work researching Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i'm
1: very excited to see what you have to to offer that's a weird way to phrase that i'm excited Mm -hmm. about your
0: animal (laughs) offer me your animal Oh my God, what? So I started with my clues and then I didn't finish. So do you want to... So you have
1: no clues and nothing? What?
0: You mean you didn't finish your clues, but you did finish the rest of your research, correct? That is what I meant. Excellent. I was
1: like, if you get stuck on the clues and you don't go any further, you haven't done your (laughs) research.
0: Do you want to tell a story while while I finish this... Clue that I'm working on. You want to tell our audience a clue, a, a story? A story. Okay. Um, or, or do you want to just sit in silence for a second, which you can edit out <laughs> while I finish this clue? Well, we'll see how good my story
1: is that I can think of. Okay. Oh, well, this is fun. So my sister—I don't know if I've mentioned this before. My sister got a puppy, which is fun. But the puppy really loves my dog Ollie, and they've just started playing together, which is really nice. Um, I was telling Maggie earlier that Ollie jumped up while they were playing, but he was underneath the dining room table, so he whacked his noggin. But the fun part is that the puppy loves to snuggle, and he loves Ollie's bed, even if Ollie is in it. So I have a series of probably now, we're probably at like 12 photos of how August has managed to wiggle his way into Ollie's bed in all these different positions, and it's really cute, and Ollie just moans. He just goes, mm, and then they like cuddle for like 45 minutes, and it's super adorable, so. Is like that a good story? I don't know. There's visual
0: references, so.
1: Oh, that's such a cute photo. You see all of them? I think you like five.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, scroll up, Maggie. Wow. <laughs>
1: oh, they are
0: cute. It's like one a day. They're always oh my in gosh.
1: different position.
0: Okay. Are you, are you ready? Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry this took so long. It's going to be super anticlimactic, but I wanted <laughs> to right? – I wanted to keep with the Maggie's making an effort in her clue theme. I like it. I like it. So here we go. I think it's easy. We'll see. Okay. I hunt at night. I give mice a fright. In thicket or thorns. Don't mistake these for horns. Who am I? A great horned owl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I didn't realize you were writing a
1: poem, or I wouldn't have given you as much shit. Wow. Right, I may need you to tell a story later so I can think of a better
0: <laughs> So I am doing the Great Horned Owl or Bubo Virginianus. Bubo? Yeah, Bubo, like the beep, 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 the owl in Cl- not Clash of the Titans, right? It's that old Jason and the Argonauts claymation movie do you remember that you're way too young for that Bubo the owl Clash of the Titans yep so um the great horned owl is a pretty prolific owl found throughout North and South America and it's the heaviest owl it's very large hence it is great so (laughs) in terms of its in terms of its size, it's like two to five pounds which is not that big considering I just said it's the heaviest owl. Um, their wingspan can be up to a meter or a yard in length. Um, Thank you for showing me what a wingspan
1: for those who can't see because it's a podcast. Maggie's <laughs> holding her arms out to the side still is hasn't put them down there she goes. <laughs> Just show me what a wingspan is so for those who don't know it is the span of your wings you're a human <laughs> i guess it's your arm
0: arm span arm span so something like a meter to almost two meters almost wow wow um <laughs> their, <laughs> their colors they are like a mottled gray brown grayish color basically their color wherever they are found in North or South America matches their their habitat. So they're very keen on camouflage.
1: Ooh. Can I tell you a story? Please. So I've seen a great horn owl in the wild. Mm-hmm. I saw it like four years ago. I was going on a cross-country trip with two friends from college. And since we went to school where we would always keep species lists, I probably told yes. you this before we were keeping a species list and we were almost at a hundred. It had been like a week and a half. We were almost at a hundred species. We were at this reserve, this wildlife reserve, I think in like refuge, sorry, wildlife refuge in like Idaho. And so like, we got to find animals mm-hmm. almost there. And so I was like, okay, I really want to find a porcupine. And that, the first time I ever saw a porcupine was in a tree. And mm-hmm. so I was like, keep looking in the trees. So we're looking for a porcupine, looking in the trees, doesn't find a porcupine right away. We found a great horned owl, and then it turned, and it had, like, two little babies in it. Oh. And it was so, like, if we weren't specifically looking in the trees for, like, mm-hmm. life, we would not have seen it. It yeah. was so well camouflaged. Um, and then, like, 10 minutes later, I found a porcupine, so it was a great day overall. Oh, that sounds like a
0: fantastic day. I would have mm-hmm. called it a success. <laughs> oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> So yeah, they are really hard to spot, especially because they are, like most owls, nocturnal. That means they're active at night. So you're probably not going to see them unless you go out looking for them and you're looking on tree branches uh, for just like a big, a big tuft of things, of things. Yeah, lo- they
1: look like a growth off of a tree. Like they don't yeah. look like, especially because they're just like round.
0: Yeah. Barely yeah. a shape. And just to give you a sense of size, I know I said they're pounds, like, but you might think like, oh, that's the size of a chihuahua, two to five pounds, but they're actually between the size of a crow and a goose. Oh, okay. I
1: feel like,
0: right, like a yeah. goose without its head. Like that, yeah. Right. Like imagine a, a goose without its neck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, its Neck along with it. <laughs> so, like a lot of owls, they have these patches around their eyes, which mm-hmm. um, it, it it just almost looks like they're wearing goggles. <laughs> now I'm now I'm showing me what goggles, goggles are. Like <laughs> I'm glad you have so little
1: confidence in me. You don't think I know what the simplest things are. Those who don't know, now you show me goggles go around your eyeballs. They're rather <laughs> large and uh, round. <laughs>
0: Oh my god. So the great horned owls are most notably known for their large ear tufts where they get their name. But mm. these are actually called plumicorns. No. Yeah. That's not real. Uh, according to two different sources it is. Damn, two sources. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So similar to a lot of fun animal adaptations, we're not entirely sure what their plumicorns are made for. It might be to show off territory and to be intimidating to other owls. It might be for sexy time. We don't know. If you're going calling, calling it a plumicorn, it's not to be
1: or to be intimida- intimidating. Intimidating. <laughs> Look at my plumicorns. <laughs> I guess they didn't have a hand in naming it, so that's fair.
0: Maybe they actually have a better name for it, like my prongs or my...
1: (laughs) My feather knives. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are not their ears, uh, actually. Their ears are on the sides of their head, just tucked away in those feathers. So these tufts are not ears. Don't think of it as ears.
1: Do they have outer ears? Do they just have ear holes? Ear holes, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Their range is pretty widespread, as I started to say earlier. They're found throughout North and South America. They are an aggressive, powerful hunter. Their nickname is actually tiger owl. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, because they are so successful on the hunt. That means they will eat hawks, rabbits, mice, snakes, skunks, opossums, squirrels, sometimes porcupines, and that'll usually end fatally for both parties. Oh, oh no. (laughs) <laughs> but you name it, these guys are willing to eat it. They're very uh confident.
1: What word am I searching for? Hunters hunters oh, That was such a dramatic pause. I'm gonna keep that in there. Where did I go? I don't know. I was well, then I was like, okay, say it hunter, say it, And I
0: was like, she must be thinking of a different word because it's easy. <laughs> i had that terrible moment in your in my head where you're just like oh my god what what was i thinking and then you get distracted because you're thinking about what you were thinking and then you're like where am i i think i just had a a minorly demented moment <laughs> i think i don't know what's happening well
1: all right take a uh, swing. Okay. come on back
0: Whew. So they hunt, as I said, at night or at dusk. You'll see them perched on um, a tree branch or a fence post, and then they will swoop down and catch something. They aren't – when they're flying, it's usually because they are hunting. It's not because they're, like, flapping around just to move to a new location like a lot of birds they're do. other stupid birds just flapping around. <laughs> no reason for anything. these guys are very thoughtful hence i guess the wise owl adage (laughs) because they're not just flying around for no reason they're not just flapping around they're not stupid like all the other birds (laughs) (laughs) just kidding obviously when they when they catch prey they will often store some of it for winter time when prey is harder to nab and so they'll store it in tree cavities or uh, caves, wherever their nest is. They're very a- adaptable, so they can be found in pretty much every habitat. They will find a nook or cranny to make a nest in. So when they store their prey and the carcass in wintertime will become frozen, they'll thaw it out by incubating it themselves. Yeah. That's, sit on it? It's exactly what you're thinking, Yeah. Ew. Could you imagine if that's how we had to, like, thaw things?
1: I've definitely sat on frozen things to make them soft. I Like, butter.
0: You've sat oh. on butter before. Yeah. What? When? Not nah, okay. nah. you wearing pants.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or, like, I'll carry it around, like, a little pouch. Like, when you need to, like, make cookies and you soften butter, and I'm like, shit, this butter is hard as fuck because it's been in the fridge. And I'll, like, carry it around. Hoping my belly makes it warm. Or like if I'm like doing work, I'll sit on
0: it. You've never done that? No, this?
1: Maybe no this I'll out. just
0: put it on the oven as the oven is preheating and it'll get soft there. <laughs> I've done that too, I think.
1: You'll sit Listen. on butter.
0: Yeah, I mean, how, it's packaged. What do you, how- Like a stick of butter. And Ashley, where does it go? Does it go under your leg? Does it go in between your cheeks? What's happening Well, here's happening what I've learned. There? I'm a very cold blooded person, so it doesn't work very well. <laughs> Just
1: like under my thighs. Okay, all right. Or I've definitely like- I'm just imagining you- No one eat my cookies. (laughs) It's like like the band of my leggings. Okay. So I've got like a little baby butter. No, no (laughs) one's done this. So moving on. Owls do this too, so I'm not the only one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe what just happened. I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as I did. So, with regard to nesting, owls, they will nest and procreate much earlier in the year in the season than other birds. So, you know, up here in North America, birds are getting ready and twitter pating in springtime. Do you know what twitter pating is, Ashley, or is that too old for you? It sounds like I've heard it used before. I don't know that I can define it. It's from Disney's Bambi. (gasps) Oh, okay. And it's what I think. Flower? It's just what they call flirting and what and courtship. Yeah.
1: If anyone wants to Twitter bait with me. <laughs> man.
0: So the owls will lay two to three eggs and the, mostly the female will incubate, but then the, the male will help out from time to time and the eggs will hatch 35 days later and then you'll get these little fluffy babies that will scoot around the mm-hmm. nest in nearby branches around five weeks. They'll start to fly at nine to ten weeks and then the parents will give, continue to provide them food for a few more months. Aw, cute. Yeah, um, these owls as I mentioned are pretty aggressive and they're pretty confident hunters um, but they're also now that- really confident parents. So They've been known to attack humans who get too close to their young. <laughs> there was for a while, I think it was a great horned owl. On that,
1: There's that trail in, in Maryland. Just one. No, there's like a, like really, like the metropolitan, that's not what it's called. Anyway, there's like a trail in Maryland somewhere. And yeah. there was a great horned owl that kept attacking people. That's hysterical. It because it was nesting nearby. And mm-hmm. so people walk on this trail and it, would come back like year after year but they're protected so you can't do anything not that you should anyway (laughs) but these people just get getting attacked by this bird which is fantastic
0: just get the fuck away from my nest already yes so I mentioned the owl's goggles as I hold my hands up to my face again
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) just Maggie
0: plays charades but immediately tells me what it is (laughs) So this is actually a facial disc that helps them to direct sound. Ooh. So as as we mentioned, their ears are are just holes tucked in under their feathers. So, uh, th- th- I think I mentioned like they their hearing is so good, and these facial discs actually help them to hear better. Um, they can detect a mouse stepping on a twig like seventy five feet away. Yeah. So what the the way this facial disc works is and i'm sure a lot of people have done this but try cupping your ear your hands behind your ears and then just listening to sound that way so yeah it, that's how the, the disc works it it collects sound and just amplifies it in their own head brain <laughs> it's it's pretty cool they also have excellent excellent sight but one thing that i didn't realize about owls they cannot move their eyes have you ever noticed that like if you look at a video of an owl they're not like looking around like you and i are you're looking up and off to the left right now i'm looking yeah. straight ahead and then i can look off to the right and move my eyes in circles they cannot so that's why that's why owls can turn their heads so much because they can't move their eyeballs. So the Great Horned Owl can actually turn its head 270 degrees.
1: Perfect timing for the exorcist for Halloween season. It is October. Perfect.
0: So um just to remind you, if if you don't recall, 180 degrees is a straight line. So <laughs> I'm not reminding you, I'm reminding our listeners. <laughs> that's fair.
1: 360 is a circle.
0: 360 is well, a circle.
1: That's all
0: well geometry. And then, as, as a lot of owls do, they have a sharp, tiny, hooked bill. This helps them to tear apart their prey because they don't actually have teeth to chew. So they'll tear it up and uh, into swallowable, swallowable pieces. I think that's the technical term. Mm-hmm. And then because they're swallowing their prey whole, they don't poop regular bird poo. They'll, they'll poop out pellets, which include fur and feathers and bones. And sometimes you can find an entire skeleton in a pellet.
1: Definitely I don't know if you, anyone else said this, but in upstate New York they would di- we would dissect owl pellets. Oh and we would yeah. Find like what's inside it and stuff, which is super cool. It is I, don't, I then, probably didn't think it was that cool when we did it. It's probably a little grossed out. It is but gross. now I would be like, this is so cool.
0: I love scouting. now." I would be like so when I go hiking, I love playing the game whose scat is that? <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> That's and a good title. I, who's cat is, <laughs> is that? Who's cat is that? Who's cat is that? I I don't know. I just when I go hiking, I'm not just looking at, at the scenery. I like to look for paw prints. I like to look for evidence of who's been there, and poo is one of the easiest things to oh, find. Yeah. So, it's just like, okay, if if it's a pellet and it's got bones in it, it's probably a great horned owl. If it's kind of uh like small seedy like it's probably an herbivore if Mm -hmm. it's chunky and kind of messy it's probably carnivore chunky today's lesson on shit when i was on a hike and when i was in south
1: africa our guide had said something along the lines that like poop is the facebook of the animal world where like Mm. an animal leaves scat and it says so much about like where they've been and what they've been eating and what they've probably been doing. Yeah. (laughs) Communicate with each other. It's (laughs) It's like like leaving a post, but just shit.
0: (laughs) That's a great, great comparison. I like it. Right. So because I said that these owls are so widespread, they are actually of least concern. So here we are ladies and gents, an animal that is not endangered or threatened their populations are stable. However, I will say this. The Audubon Society did a really cool study not long ago on hundreds of bird species found in North America, where they calculated or kind of estimated the risk of birds as climate change is predicted to uh, affect or impact the country. And because these owls, owls are so widespread they're they're going to be okay for the most part in the face of climate change in fact they'll probably even gain new territory as ranges up in northern canada are getting warmer because it'll be become more moderate for them to live up there but you know while while climate change might kind of benefit great horned owls we then need to think of how their expanded range could impact other species in in this in their new range but these other species existing range so um, take for example the snowy owl which is the great horned owl's closest living relative there could be increased competition for from another predator then like the snowy owls now have to compete with the great horned owl who is a top-notch predator and very successful they have to compete for nesting sites and then also there's prey that is probably not as accustomed to a great horned owl that will then have to adapt and it just you can see how there's just such a cascade of of impacts because of climate change so even if if climate change is not threatening a particular species there's impacts in another way I think, you know, if you want to learn more about this this kind of study, head over to Audubon Society's website. They've got this laid out for all of their bird species, and you can find out what some of your favorite birds are going to be up to in the next 50 years. Heck yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, that's a, that's just a really brief update on the Great Horned Owl because owls are cool. Owls are awesome. Well done. So, Quetz. Maggie that's I love greyhorn owls they're so freaking beautiful they're really beautiful I didn't even talk about their hoots they've got some pretty deep bellowing hoots <laughs> tell us about their hoots I'm sure it's a hoot <laughs> so if you, you when you go outside at night you can probably hear them we'll we'll include an audio clip for you uh so that you can include so that you can hear them
1: The have that classic owl. Hoo-hoo-hoo.
0: Yeah, totally. All Is, right. Are they
1: the owl that's in the, the Tootsie Roll pop commercial?
0: I, I would suspect that they are because uh, they got the horns. Mm, yeah.
1: <laughs> classic. Oh,
0: All so right. Cool. Well, uh, a big thanks to my sources um, Audubon Society, All About Birds, the Peregrine Fund, National Wildlife Federation, and National Geographic.
1: Sweet. Awesome. Well done. All right. Are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Well, I know you put all of this effort into a clue, and I do not have the same for you.
0: (laughs) I think that's okay.
1: I got really excited about how I came across this animal. Good. Which I think distracted me from the clue. Also, it's like pretty specific. So I don't know that you'll get it. Hmm. But maybe I thought of a new clue. While you were searching for the great horned owl noise.
0: so Perfect.
1: But first we're going to start off simple. A clue that takes no effort. The Latin name. Are you ready? Oh,
0: always. Rhinoplax vigil. Okay. So uh, it's got some kind of nose. Right idea. Rhinoplax? hmm What was the next one? Vigil. Vigil? Is it a nocturnal animal? No. It's a bird. What oh, is a bird? Oh, are you doing some kind of hornbill? <gasps> yes! Good
1: yeah! chance,
0: I'm oh, very impressed. Right.
1: I'm specifically doing the helmeted hornbill. Oh, okay. And actually, I was like, maybe I'll just do like all of the um, hornbills. Turns oh, out no. there's 55 species. I did not, I thought there were like seven. There's so a it's lot. Gonna be another, it's going to be another kangaroo <laughs> fiasco. So I just went with the helmeted hornbill, but there are just so many cool ones. My next clue was going to be that it was a relative of a character who said, it's Mr. Banana be- to you. Oh, and, that's a good clue. Right? And I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> Which, for those who don't know, it's Zazu, who is a hornbill from Lion King. <laughs> anyway, so the reason I came, why well, I decided to do the helmeted hornbill specifically was actually for work. I was looking up um, different animators who do cool graphics, and I came across this piece called "Species in Pieces." It's an exhibition from 2015. I'm just gonna send you a link real quick so you can like take a quick look at it. A quick look.
0: <clears throat> okay.
1: Words don't work anymore. All right. It's no. not my fault.
0: <laughs> I, I, I told you my brain was
1: mush. But so it's this exhibit, this online exhibition from 2015 that highlights 30 critically endangered species. But it's (gasps) someone animated it, so it's like 30 triangles essentially. Oh, look at that! As you scroll through, the triangles reform to shape these different critically endangered species. And throughout the 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 link, you can learn more about all the different species. But the very first one is helmeted hornbill. So oh. I did look through all of them, but I saw that one and I was like, that's a good one. But also, this is just a really cool piece if you want to check it out.
0: That is very
1: cool. Isn't it?
0: Um, so don't get distracted. You can look at it later. I'm, but... I, I just, I, I minimized it. So good. yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's super cool. And there's prints and um, like desktops right now. My desktop is all of the 30 species. Oh, cool. It's very, it's very cool. Very classy. But yeah, so that's kind of how I found the helmeted Hornbill and wanted to go with them. So the helmeted hornbill, or as I type, I had a typo, but I thought it was funny, because I typed helmeted hornybill.
0: Oh, Ashley.
1: Which is just funny. um, is a large bird of the hornbill family. They're uh, found in Brunei, Indonesia, both Sumatra and Kalimantan, Malaysia, South uh, Myanmar, and South Thailand. Um, They used to be found in Singapore, but they're now extinct in Singapore. Like I said, they're a member of the Hornbill family, which is the family Bucuro today, Pucuro today. I'm anyway, familiar with that family.
0: They've got a yeah, lot of yeah. cousins.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, it includes 55 living species. Like, legit, I thought there were going to be like 10 max. And I was like, 55? Are you kidding me? They're a really cool family of birds. They're found in tropical and subtropical Africa, Asia, and Malaysia. They're known for their long down curved beak. So again, think of Zazu from The Lion King. He's specifically a red-billed hornbill, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like, I guess, the like eastern hemisphere version of a toucan almost, I guess. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Like, very similar, big, good person. Right? I think so. I just, that was on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> a fun fact, just personally speaking, I've actually seen the largest member of this family who cool. is the southern ground hornbill. I saw them in South Africa. It was insane because we watched one, like, throw around a dead bat or something like Whoa. that. Like, yeah, it was insane. And they were huge, which is crazy. But back to the helmeted hornbill, who is the, mm. the bird of the hour. Second bird of the owl, because we also talked about owls. <laughs> anyway, so what do they look like? They mostly have black plumage, although their belly is white, and then their legs are white. And then their tail is white so they're black and white <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> they have really long tail feathers that are white with big black bands on them so if you see pictures of them flying they have very pronounced tails their body length is between 110 to 120 centimeters that's 43 to 47 inches so like up to two feet but that's not including their tail feathers you add their tail feathers it boosts their length another boosts their length a further fifty centimeters or twenty inches. So it almost adds like another foot, more than a foot, two feet. I forgot how much a foot was. Yeah. Did you, did you because? That? Yeah, yeah. Did you say? Did you say forty three
0: inches? Forty three to forty seven. I said two feet. That's wrong. It's very wrong. I four uh, feet. <laughs> did you notice my facial reaction? Yep.
1: And I kept going and I, I was like, no, 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 I'm right. I'm right.
0: This is another tonic. I'm
1: bad with sizes. <laughs> I always think sizes, well, in this case, I thought it was twice as much. For a ton, I thought it was half as much. So <laughs> anyway, so their tail feathers add another half of their body size to them. Does that make go. sense? Enough? That works. Okay. All right. They also have this weird, bald, wrinkled throat pouch, which I know sounds so (laughs) So sexy. (laughs) Like my Um, grandfather had that. (laughs) In females, it's a blue, green, turquoisey color, and in males, it's red. It's also called a gular pouch, gular being g-u-l-a-r, gular, and can be used to carry multiple food items if need be. So... Oh, it's very handy throat sack. It's the reusable canvas bag. Oh my god, I go like having shopping. a Chico bag. It's great. <laughs> In terms of weight, oddly enough, there wasn't a ton about their weight. There was like one male weighed this much and two females averaged this weight. And I was like, we're going to use that for the whole species? Cool. But I would say between six and seven pounds. But again, they're birds. So birds tend to be not super heavy because they got to fly. Um, so <laughs> their helmet. (laughs) So it's like a helmet, but it's on their beak. So they have a very large cask, which is a helmet-like structure on their head that goes also onto their bill. And the thing that's unique about their cask is other hornbills also have this. So if you look at like rhinoceros hornbills, they kind of Mm -hmm. have one that like slopes upward. Um, There's a bunch that have them, but they're mainly hollow, whereas a helmeted hornbills is almost completely solid, which because it's solid, if you add the weight of their skull and their cask, it makes up 10% Mm -hmm. of their total body weight. So it's pretty heavy. So what does it kind of look like? So I say it's on their head, but it's really just like on the front of their face. So it starts at the base of their bill or their beak, and it goes halfway to the tip of their beak, and then just kind of abruptly stops. And then it's like regular beak for the rest of the way. And honestly, And this will kind of make sense later. It looks like a little tiny
0: battering ram, just like planted on their face. Can I Google them? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I need because I I need to have a visual. This is sounding really cool. Helmeted. I was like, is it sounding cool, or am I doing a bad job explaining it? You let me know when you. I think you're doing a good job explaining it, and I already know what hornbills look like generally. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Okay, this guy looks kind of like a dinosaur. Oh yeah. Very dino-esque. Oh my gosh. Guys, if you haven't yet, go Google this. Wow. What the fuck is that wrinkly? That's the sack that you were just talking about. Yeah. Their little canvas bag. Their canvas bag is not cute.
1: No, you don't want one.
0: If your bag starts looking like that, you got to recycle it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like wash that shit. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm coming back to you now. Thanks. Okay. So what was I right in how I described it? I think so. Yeah, that's pretty okay. much what I had understood. To, to Definitely what look I it up, though,
1: because it is very unique. Um, mm-hmm.
0: So I think visuals
1: obviously help, which is great when you're on a podcast. So it's primarily actually yellow, but the red secretion of the preen gland, which a lot of birds have, covers the sides and top of it so that it's red, which is insane to me. But, like, the red's not usually there. Like, if you were to wash them all off, the red wouldn't be on their bill. And so what is a preen gland? This is just for birds. Do you know what a preen gland is? A preen gland? Yep, I wasn't
0: pronouncing the D, I'm so sorry. So um, is it something that helps them to clean their feathers? Yeah, essentially. So it's also called the uropigial
1: gland. Sure. sure. Um, and it's located at the base of a lot of birds. It's located at the base of their tail, like kind of on top of their tail. And it secretes an oil that they believe helps maintain feather integrity. So, like, when birds preen and, like, organize Mm -hmm. their feathers and stuff, having an oil helps, I guess. I don't know. This is from a girl who, like, barely washes her hair. I don't know.
0: No. So, I just – I love the concept of of, uh, birds – Preening themselves because they are organizing their feathers. Like <laughs> I make sure this one's here. This one—they're just like super neurotic about everything. Yes, I imagine all birds to be very organized and meticulous and OCD.
1: <laughs> love it, love it. So, what about their behavior? What do these guys do? Mm-hmm. They live in forests. Specifically, they live in virgin lowland forest habitats. They need really old trees, which will come in. Um and important later will become important later was that what i was trying to say i don't know maybe
0: you don't want to forget the word hunter
1: (laughs) that's true (laughs) they eat primarily the fruit of the strangler figs and because they eat the fruit and they eat mainly other fruit as well um, they act as a critical they have a critical ecological role as a seed disperser so they help Uh... You know poop out those seeds throughout the forest so that more strangler figs and whatever else they're eating can grow um but so other cool things about their behavior is their breeding and and what is it when you raise children they're rearing for, yeah that one that's what i was looking for so in terms of males that was a weird way to put it so males will <laughs> fight over territory um, ramming their casks into one another, uh, which is a, a big reason that they think they have the casks. Um, well, I completely forgot what animal
0: you were talking about when you <laughs> said males. When like when you started that sentence, I was just like, I have no idea what animal. She's You're like just nod, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and then as soon as you said ramming, I was like, all oh, right, that one. Helmeted hornbill, <laughs> hornbill you with us? <laughs> oh i've caught
1: up all right good um but yeah so they'll ram their casks into each other in the air and it's called people people uh scientists refer to this sometimes as aerial jousting oh that sounds cool right just the most epic thing and there was one article that said like females will kind of be alongside the male but then when they go to like actually hit They'll, the the female will veer off
0: so that she doesn't have to be a part of like the actual contact but like she's supporting her man all the way. That is incredible. This sounds like the next reality television show, like American Ninja Warrior. It's going to be oh, aerial yeah. jousting. I would watch that in a heartbeat.
1: So they are monogamous, um, and when they breed, they'll breed once a year and produce a single chick. But the really cool thing is that when the female lays an egg and um, incubates it. She'll actually seal herself up inside of the tree where she makes her nest what? for up for the first five months. So she'll lay her egg, I don't know if it's like she lays her egg in, it hatches, and that's when, at some point, she gets sealed into this tree by the male. The male will use mud to seal up the hole, which there was one planet Earth, I think, that you can see hornbills. I don't know if it's the helmeted hornbills, but other hornbills will also do this. And he, like, keeps bringing her food because she's sealed inside of this tree. And he brings her food that's too big and doesn't fit inside the hole of the tree. Like, and he has to, like, because they'll also eat, like, lizards and stuff. So he'll bring her food, and if it's too small, he has to, like, make it into smaller pieces. But she's essentially stuck inside this tree, depending on this male, for five months at least, which is why they need to be in these virgin forests because they need trees that grow large enough to accommodate these nests to fit a full-grown female because of being sealed in this nest for the first five months of this chick's life they have a very very high breeding success rate like their chicks are very likely to make it to adulthood because the first five months nothing can touch them (laughs) like
0: okay they're literally sealed in a hole this uh yeah sure sounds successful but is anyone Uh else thinking of like this is some fucked up handmaid's tale shit. Right.
1: (laughs) There's definitely a part where you put this like you if you (laughs) anthropomorphize this, we're like,
0: uh what? What? -hmm. And like the male is Uh, like, don't worry, I'll bring you food. Or like oh oh my gosh, I'm just I'm really disturbed by this. Usually we can be like, oh man, the animal that that, that's so cool. Like why do they do it that way? Right now I'm really hating on the hornbill it's so cool because here's the thing i don't know how
1: exactly they get out of the nest Mm -hmm. um
0: (laughs) digs an escape burrow
1: but i believe at any point the female can get out of the nest if she wants to but the the mud the hold up tree is is enough so like if a monitor lizard was to crawl up the the lizard wouldn't be able to get in because they don't have Mm anything to to help them um you think it's weird I mean it is creepy if you if you anthropomorphize it
0: I agree yeah I mean it is it is rather when you're looking at it from a bird's point of view it's quite ingenious
1: <laughs> right To like be like okay I'm just gonna shut us off from the world so
0: nothing can eat my baby like and you're gonna bring me food and I gotta do nothing besides right? like think for a while yeah so i do you get, get it
1: served every day now
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be careful ashley's, ashley's, ashley's and pointing at me as if like see 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 look how see? good it is
1: um no i get that but i think it shows with a very how how successful they are in, mm. in rearing mm-hmm. their young to uh, adulthood or to juvenile yeah you know Where so many baby birds, if you're in an open nest, they just get, like, stomped on or they just fall out because they're stupid. Um, Right. Just flapping around. just, like, the hornbills were like, fuck that. We're just going to eliminate that right off. You cannot fall out of this hole. Like, Mm -hmm. you are safe for at least five months. And then after that, if you (laughs) fuck it up, that's on you. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, so that's pretty cool, I think. Um, And then another thing is that apparently they're very um, noisy. So I have two different websites on how they describe what (laughs) hornbills sound like, which is just, I think they're so, I love reading how animals are described on the internet. So on (laughs) eBird, they're scarce and difficult to see. Listen for its far-carrying, maniacal laugh in mature lowland and foothill forests. And then on faunaandflora.org, This bird is more often heard than seen, and is renowned for its unique and arresting call, which ends in a show-stopping flurry of hysterical laughter.
0: Oh my gosh, they laugh! Can you play it for us now? Can you hear it? (laughs) All right, it builds. Oh my gosh, it's an exa- that's exactly how I laugh. <laughs> right? It,
1: like, it's like the slow build, but you get there. But yes, if you go on ebird.org actually, they have like 40 listings of of different vocalizations, but they're all kind of like these 1 minute long calls of these hornbills and like halfway through is when they kind of ramp up to the
0: maniacal laughter. Oh my gosh, I love that. I want that to be my ringtone. So, I feel like I've been talking forever. I've I've been interrupting you a lot. (laughs) That's fair.
1: (laughs) So in terms of their conservation, like I said, I found them because they were on this part of this uh, exhibition that showcased 30 endangered, critically endangered species. They are critically endangered. In 2015, they moved from near threatened to critically endangered. Oh, my gosh. Um, That's a quick, that's a big jump. Yeah, and so there's kind of two big reasons for that. One is logging and habitat lost. Like I had mentioned, in order for them to be locked in their trees, um, they need pretty big trees. So they need virgin forests, which are you know forests that have been growing for hundreds and hundreds of years to create these big trees. And since they're located in you know Indonesia and areas around there where there's a lot of logging going on, that's a big threat. However, their biggest threat is that they're actually traffic trafficked, trafficked, Whoa. damn it, <laughs> they're trafficked for their casks um, in both China and Indonesia. So they call it like hornbill ivory. It's not actually ivory, but it's a valuable carving material for like jewelry and stuff. So if you look up hornbills, you'll probably almost immediately find just hornbill casks with like different carve, carvings in them and stuff like that. One cask can actually fetch for roughly a thousand U.S. dollars on the black market. Wow. I think that oh was from gosh. 2017, so I don't know how much that's changed or not. A minimum of 2,878 casks were seized globally in at least 59 seizure incidents between 2010 and 2017. So, I mean, it's not as big of an industry as, like, Uh, elephant ivory but Mm -hmm. it's still pretty big still lots of like underground crime units you know trying to get as much money as they can from selling these guys on the black market which is wow super awful because like same thing with elephant ivory like it isn't i mean they're special animals but like it's not anything special like just grab Mm -hmm. some goddamn like I don't know something else to carve. If you grab a, a stick. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. So those are the two biggest things: trafficking mm-hmm. and habitat lost. Um, so what can you do? Well, so one thing I did was watch this this video online called "Hunting the Helmeted Hornbill." It's on YouTube by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, but it was with nice. Tim Tim Lehman, who's a National Geographic photographer that does a lot of stuff with birds and stuff so you can see a lot of the behavior of the helmeted hornbill but then also like it talks with some of the people who are conserving it and from there you'll find lots of videos and stuff that just kind of introduce you to this species and what's happening with it don't worry I mean they're critically endangered so worry the adequate amount but know that there are people working on it. There's actually a 10 year range wide helmeted hornbill conservation strategy and action plan that Aww. started in 2018. So it's got like a lot of, of it's a big document that you can download um, off of birdlife.org if you would like, um, that puts in together a lot of key points of things that they want to do to help conserve this species like eliminating the demand for helmeted hornbill, ivory, quote-unquote, having effective enforcement when it's trafficked. Why can I say that? Trafficked? It's just traffic. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Having effective enforcement when it's trafficked. It's because you're saying
0: You're saying helmeted helmeted versus trafficked. Yeah, I think you're saying like trafficked.
1: I'm just like, let me add six more syllables to this word. some other key elements, um, protecting, restoring, sustainable management of the population, and of course, working with local communities to make sure that this species is protected. If you want to support organizations, you can support some like the Indonesian Hornbill Conservation Society, um, but there's lots of people working to help protect this really incredible species. Obviously, we can't consider, I don't know how to end this on a good note, but they're a really cool species, and I think it's just really important that people you know know that they exist so thanks to my sources uh wikipedia birdlife.org the cornell lab of ornithology ebird flora and fauna.org and national geographic um i think just go look at these guys and i'm i'm pretty sure they're in an episode of like planet earth or life or some blue chip some... nature show and you can see <laughs> you can see the female locked in her tree but
0: how cool it is <laughs> 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 how not misogynistic it is <laughs> yes
1: who knew we're gonna, gonna be a birthday episode
0: I was like I had done two mammals in a exactly. row exactly that's so. how I felt I was like I've I've done a lot and I've been kind of sticking with animals that people have heard of this season so I feel like next week mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw us for a loop I'm gonna have to oh. pick something totally off off the grid
1: Damn. That's exciting. I've done too many
0: common things.
1: I mean, two episodes ago, our goal was to do uncommon, so you did at least one. <laughs> Just one. Just one each season. But I'm excited to to see what you do. To hear what We're you not. do. This is a podcast.
0: Well, I mean, you're gonna see what I do because I'm gonna show you my wingspan again. Heck yeah. <clears throat> Just a reminder that
1: we are animal enthusiasts. We are not scientists, if that wasn't obvious. So don't cite us in your academic papers or anything of the sort. Mm -mm.
0: Do your own research.
1: We just want to get you excited about animals like we are. So thanks for joining us on this episode. If you like our podcast, check out our Instagram at The Watering Hole Pod. Maggie's got some great questionnaires going out. That made it sound way more formal than it is. (laughs) Subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening and give us a review. It'll help us reach new fans and get them excited about wildlife too. You can also visit us online at thewateringholepod.com. Tune in next time when we
0: learn about more animals,
1: their biology and habitat, the threats they face, and what people are
0: doing about it. We'll see you then. We'll hear you then. You'll hear us. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Bye.
1: <laughs> Nailed it, Maggie.